0: Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad free over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. The Midnight Club Season 1 Episode 10. Midnight is the episode I will be talking, recapping, and uh, going in depth f- with this this episode. Uh, so if you haven't watched the final episode of The Midnight Club... And don't want to be spoiled. Uh, this is your warning, because I will be spoiling this episode. Uh, and for those that are here for that, welcome. As we left off in the last episode, we had uh, we had uh, we <laughs> we had Alonka in the basement uh, being used by Julia Jane. A.K.A. Shasta to do the ritual, uh, which Alanka uh, thought was going to be for her, to cure her. But it was pretty clear that it was uh, more intended for Julia Jane. And the as the other quote-unquote sisters that were partaking in this ritual, uh, who had drank the kool-aid for lack of a better word as they started to seize up and uh, potentially be dying uh, sh- sh- dr stanton came in to stop the whole charade or at least interrupt it uh preventing alonka from drinking the the kool-aid and uh as julia jane was Approaching Alonka to force her to drink it. Alonka backed into a wall, knocked herself out, and that's how the episode ended. Uh, so, this episode does not start with the conclusion to those events. It actually goes back in time to the year 1968, where we see Julia Jane sneaking out of Brightcliff. Uh, so, we're getting a little bit of the backstory for Shasta, for Julia Jane. Uh, what actually happened to her? Uh, when she left and disappeared for a week from Brightcliffe and then came back magically cured. At least that is what she believes. That is what Alonka believes. So we see Julia Jane sneaking out. We see the the indication that it is 1968. And she tracks down. She goes to a house. A woman opens the door, and we find out that she tracked down a say-so. Uh, the woman who was running the Paragon and was responsible for the horrific mass suicide that happened as she was trying to do this ritual herself and uh, poisoning, giving the human sacrifices as a way for this ritual to quote-unquote work. Uh, So Julia Jane tracks her down uh, using the diary the same diary, the Athena's diary, the same diary that Ju uh, that Alonka found in the library, and uh, was able to track her down. And uh, apparently, Asayso does no, no, no longer talks to her daughter, uh, but she was institutionalized. Asayso was, and uh, is willing to help Julia Jane cure her cancer because, of course, she still believes that it works. And uh, she's like – and they discuss how they will fabricate kind of a story and get her like a nightgown and have her walk through the forest before she returns to Brightcliff and make sure that while walking through the forest she gets the nightgown nice and dirty to kind of add a – throw people off the track that that, that she was – with a say so doing this ritual um so that's kind of we see a little bit of that backstory that that's where in a lot of ways julia jane was similar to alonka believing in these rituals and their ability to cure her cancer tracking people down doing their research trying to find people that will guide them in these rituals And seeing how, in a lot of ways, that has been passed down from a say-so to Julia Jane and then later from Julia Jane to Alonka. Cut to the events in the basement where Stanton has Julia pinned up against the wall. Uh, Alonka wakes up and uh, Julia Jane pushes stanton away gets into the elevator and starts heading up and Alonka runs to like to ask her to wait like she's like wait for me wait i you know still kind of believing in julia jane for some reason and all julia does is like smile and ignore her as she goes up clearly satisfied with the fact that she convinced her to get her into the basement again and to perform help her perform this ritual again for herself and uh stanton goes over to care for the the people that are dying calls alonka over to perform cpr and they're able to save their lives and we are now in dr stanton's office and and we you know we see an ambulance and cops show up and the she gets a call from the hospital and the, the people that were uh, she she performed CPR on. They're, they're in stable condition. They will survive. So these people, on one hand, survived because of Alonka's help, but also were put in that position. Those people were in the basement to drink that poison because of Alonka's help as well. So Dr. Stanton is kind of weighing... This situation where Alonka in many ways is already on thin ice, right? She performing this ritual with Anya and the other kids caused a lot of issues where Stanton wasn't even sure if they were going to allow them to congregate in the library to conduct the Midnight Club and to tell their stories, which is something that she is well aware of and helps prepare them for and goes along with the act of them act thinking that they're sneaking around. But meanwhile, there's always fresh firewood in the fire and it's, it's a tradition that Stanton actually does love and thinks brings a lot to Brightcliff itself. So already on thin ice with, with Stanton, but you know, Olanka is kind of, uh, she's she's kind of being confronted with the reality that from dr stanton she's like julia jane's been arrested three times this is her mo this is what she does and she is has this confirmation bias as alonka does that it's clear that her cancer is back she's like what happened to julia jane was not a cure it is what ex- the same thing that happened with Sandra where she was misdiagnosed and now her cancer is back and she's trying to do this thing again to thinking that it's going to get rid of her cancer again, right? She's, she's doing the Paragon playbook again and that she's already t- broken in. She's, th- there's already been clearly, which we knew there was already a history between them, by what Julia Jane has said, but of course she's always pumping. And even when in the flashback to a say-so talking to Julia Jane, she calls her Bright One, I think. It's, it's whatever that nickname was that she calls Alonka as well. So clearly she learned how to manipulate from a say right? She's doing the exact same manipulation Feeding that assumption, feeding that confirmation bias, and also using this person and their belief to kind of get what they want in a lot of ways. So, but Alonka's like, but it's it, it it works. You can't deny that it works. And she's like, and it's which is mind blowing to me because she is smart and she says that. She's like, I'm not stupid. And, and Stanton's like, it's not about being stupid. It's about the fact that smart people fall victim to this sort of thing all the time. And in reality, we saw that clear as day during the pandemic where people who are clearly not stupid just going on this bandwagon of alternate medicine and alternate thinking that just makes no sense, right? It makes no sense why the majority of scientists are conspiring to keep ivermectin out of the hands of people, right? Makes zero sense why they would, you know, that this vaccine has all of these crazy side effects and microchips and all the crazy stories that they told. And there's definitely stupid people that believe that stuff too, but... There's also smart people that maybe don't have a lot of trust in things or maybe think that they are smarter than other people. There's a lot of reasons why people kind of connect to complete and utter bullshit. But and that is what Alonka has fallen victim as well. And she's kind of embarrassed because she is smart. But she net there's like she all there was never any proof there was always just assumptions always it was assumed that the ritual worked it was assumed that that was the cause of things and she just ju- she just labeled it as proof without any kind of confirmation whatsoever right other than the people that are already trying to push that narrative which is interesting this kind of confrontation that alonka and dr stanton had that's continuing throughout most of this season this this where stanton's trying to d- give her words of advice and it's like you it seemed after anya died that alonka had regained some clarity to the situation but that instantly changed as her, as soon as she overheard that somebody was going home right and then just immediately went back to the assumption that the ritual worked and also that it was her, but then finds out that it wasn't her. And she's embarrassed. It's family day. So she's like, you know what? I I'm not gonna I'm just gonna leave. She wants to run away from this mistake that she's made. She feels embarrassed. She doesn't want to confront and talk to her friends that are there, you know, and she's she's like, It's family day. I'm just gonna go home with my dad. So, you know, kind of a, a a bummer situation, right? But she is sorry. Uh, cut to a mesh in Natsuki's uh, room, and she kind of wakes up in bed, and he's uh, by the dresser testing his motor skills, realizing that they are diminishing. Also, he's noticing issues with his left eye, how there's a blind spot which he describes as like a shadow, which sometimes looks like a person, sometimes looks like an object, which is something that Anya and the other girl uh, had mentioned, seeing these shadows, not necessarily as logically explained as his, but, you know, still. And, he's you know, it's signs, he says, it's signs that, you know, the end is near, right? Which is clear, because it's the same things that, Anya saw same things that I think it was like Rachel, the other girl that died during the second episode or whatever. Um, And he's kind of like he's bummed out. Obviously, Natsuki is is comforting him. And. uh, You know, it's just it's it's sad, but we're also in the finale for the, the season, so it's and we saw it coming. He was displaying those symptoms previous episode when he went to go get the vitamins from Mark, how he stumbled and trying to play it off. So it's like it's I mean, they're all dying. All these kids are dying. So it's it's a part of the show. Right. Part of kind of the sadness of the show where it's like eventually all of these kids are going to be replaced with new kids on the block but uh sad nonetheless but at least he has you know Natsuki they're there for each other during their last days who are both going through similar life-ending traumatic events you know but at least they have a person with they're not alone in that which is kind of comforting uh then we cut to Sandra is going home and everybody's giving her hugs and Saying how much they love her and how much, you know, they're they're hopeful for her to get better and all this stuff. Everybody giving her hugs, saying goodbye. Uh, and then after she leaves, Alonka just kind of walks away to go inside. Obviously still intending on leaving. We see her later packing up her stuff into boxes. Uh, but as she's going inside... Uh, Kevin is trying to get her attention, saying that he wants to talk, but she just completely ignores him. Spence is like, what's up with that? Uh, so an in, in, interesting situation in some ways uh, there. Uh, cut to, it is family day, obviously. Uh, so Sherry is alone in her room playing the cello. Mark shows up, as he did last family day, bringing the gri- the gifts that uh, her parents, her absentee parents, sent and he's telling her that he put together a little uh, a collection of the food from downstairs and asked her if he wants to bring it up. And she's like, you know what? I'm actually going to join the people downstairs because my family's here already, which I love Cherie. She's amazing. She has, I would say, the purest heart out of all of them. Just her just uh, constant love and and giving of herself to these people while also keeping her distance So in a lot of ways, this is her finally in in accepting these people as as family in the same way they all have in the same way. Spence, when he confronted his mom, told her that, like, I don't I I would like my biological family there to love me as I die. But the people that I'm with at Brightcliff are enough. They're enough for my family. So she goes down. Cherie goes down to uh you know kind of uh hang out you see her hanging out with uh spence down in the little dining area as they collected in the first family day uh you see amish and Natsuki with her mom and his uh uncle and aunt all at the same table obviously because they're dating and amish is getting the good news that in a few more weeks the immigration going to go through. He's going to be able to see his parents. He's excited that his parents are going to meet Natsuki. And Natsuki's mom kind of leans in and tells her uh, that she she agrees that he is very cute when he smiles. And she's embarrassed. So we're seeing that whole thing kind of good news for them. You know, his hope to see his parents before he dies, which, you know, it, it's, it's like a race to the end in some ways, considering we, you know, Amesh's motor skills and and the blind spot as it were so good news there we also see so Spence is hanging out with Cherie and out of nowhere Spence notices both of his parents showing up so his mom finally not making excuses to flake and and ignore her son Uh, and she gives him a hug Right. Which Cherie is very happy with because obviously she went with Spence when he went home to confront her. Right. She gave him a lot of props and a lot of respect for doing the hard thing. And uh, Spence introduces Cherie and as her friend. And she's like, for the first time, in my opinion, the only time. I could say I've seen Cherie lie despite all of the kids kind of implying that she is a pathological liar. Everything she said seemingly could be true except this moment where she says uh, to his parents, like, oh, we're actually a little bit more than friends. We're engaged, which clearly is a lie. Clearly is actually a joke because she knows that he's gay his parents know that he's gay so it's clear that she's not his fiance. and of course he knows so i would i would almost categorize that as more of just a clear joke than a lie but the only time i could say in this entire season where clearly she was lying despite the fact that just nobody believes her and, and assumes that she's lying all... So, in my opinion, the one and only time we actually see Cherie lie. So, props to her for at least lying once, uh, considering they all I'll label her as a liar take a little break from the show to promote gift certificates. If you want to purchase artwork for somebody, you have an art lover in your life and you think they would like my art, but you don't know what painting to get them. I have over 2000 original pieces of art for sale in my store, along with shirts and prints and other things, so I can understand that being a bit daunting if you're trying to buy something for somebody else. Give them the gift certificate, and then they can go to my website, inspiredisorder.com, and they can buy whatever paintings they want, they can buy whatever prints they want, they can buy t-shirts, they can buy hats, they can buy all the different merch. Gift certificates, which are available currently at inspiredisorder.com, and now let's get back to the show! Meanwhile, back in Alonka's room, as she's kind of packing up, Rhett, the best friend of Anya, who has been estranged, who Alonka tried to call after Anya passed away, but the number was disconnected, uh, Rhett shows up, and apparently he found out uh, about the death and uh, Brightcliffe and all of that through the obituary, which... Apparently, Alonka wrote the obituary and Rhett had a lot of respect for because it was clearly written by somebody who knew Anya. Uh, And uh, he showed up to get her stuff. And in giving her box of things, he notices the statue that had previously been broken. He noticed that it had been fixed and it didn't even look like it was ever broken. And he's like, maybe she just got a new one to replace it. As if. They like ballerina statues were just mass produced and effortlessly available in the 90s, like before Amazon existed, before online ordering and eBay existed, like to just go into a store and find an exact replica of a a statue. Uh, Very difficult, but obviously a statue that he knew to be broken and couldn't find any evidence of it being fixed. No cracks or or glue marks or any of that so pretty pretty interesting stuff that uh the statues fixed later on they discuss maybe it's a sign who knows um and then later alonka's uh foster dad shows up and she's asking him about or talking to him about the pre-need stuff, the kind of end of life things that she's been putting off. And clearly now she is kind of thinking about them more and talking to him about it. He doesn't feel very comfortable about it. And she has a poem that she found that she wants him to read or her, somebody to read at her funeral Uh, because she absolutely loved it and I loved this poem as well so I clipped out her saying it I was thinking maybe I'll say it and I was like no I'll just let Alonka read it so here's the clip of that poem
1: it's called my song for him who never sang to me by Merritt Malloy and there's a poem in here called epitaph that I I want you to read when the time comes.
0: No, sweetie.
1: When I die, give what's left of me away to children and old men that wait to die. And if you need to cry, cry for your brother walking the street beside you. And when you need me, put your arms around anyone and give them what you need to give to me. I want to leave you something something better than words or sounds. Look for me and the people I've known or loved. And if you cannot give me away, at least let me live on in your eyes and not your mind. You can love me most by letting hands touch hands, by letting bodies touch bodies, and by letting go of children that need to be free. Love doesn't die people do so when all that's left in me is love give me away
0: which it is a very beautiful poem they end up hugging cut to kevin is on the bench that overlooks the ocean the same bench he was sitting on when alaka first showed up and first saw him the image of in of her head she like kind of pre-saw that him sitting on a bench before she ever showed up. And uh, he's sitting on the bench and his girlfriend approaches. And he's like, we need to talk. Which, uh, of course, everybody knows what he wants to talk about. Uh, clearly, uh, him and Spence were kind of talking about that. I think it's it uh, goes without saying in a lot of ways. Uh, and he says, you know, that uh, he didn't agree... And didn't like what Alonka said to her when she confronted her the other in the last episode. But uh, she wasn't necessarily wrong. And uh, now that he's going to talk to her about it, he doesn't know how he's going to say it. And she's, you know, kind of taking it well. It's like, well, just one word at a time. You know, I think she knows where it's going and and he knows where it's going. And uh, we don't see it happen, but clearly that is where they they part ways as it were cut to midnight club it is 24 minutes or so after midnight there are many empty chairs obviously Alonka no longer with them sandra left but also alanka uh, isn't there so many empty chairs They amish wants to remove the empty chairs he doesn't like them and and Spence, I believe, is Spencer Kevin's like, no, we should, you know, we should save a seat for them even though they're not here, you know, as a kind of a uh, in memory of the people that have uh left them in many other way in many ways. Um which is, you know. And Nasuki brings up the fact that don't worry, this, these chairs will be filled with new faces. As they always have, right? And, uh, you know, kind of what this show is set up to do in many ways is to kind of bring in new kids over the years. But uh, Dusty decides that tonight is the night where he is going to finish his story... And uh, which, of course, we last left off with in his story, his mom telling him the new the next victim's name and the next victim being uh, the his girl that he was going out with. Uh, So, of course, as we do before all of the stories, whether they actually do it in the episode or not, it happens every time in my podcast. And that, of course, is the
1: toast to those before. To those after, to us now, and to those beyond. To those those before, to those those after, to us now, and to those beyond. Seen or unseen, here but not here.
0: So we're back to Dusty's story. He has the name for the next victim, who is Sheila. Sheila is next, and he knew he'd hurt the ones he cares about, as is... Kevin's concerns in life as these stories do illuminate aspects of these characters in their real lives uh, and gives them a way to communicate their frustrations and their worries and their fears in a way in these stories to kind of get them out into the world uh so he is uh, knew this day would happen where the ones he loves will be the ones that uh get hurt and we are seeing him in his bed his mom grabbing his face Sheila Sheila so he gets out gets away calls Sheila on the phone and uh you see the silent screamers in the back as his all of his victims Uh, Always watching him, knowing what he had done. The knowing stares that are the hell that is uh, that. And he gives Sheila a call. And just then, Alaka shows up late. She apologizes. Uh, She's sorry. She didn't have a very good day. She obviously didn't leave. Obviously, despite the fact. I think kind of... uh, the fact she was going through a preneed with her foster dad kind of indicated that as well. Um, but she says she has a hard day. Obviously, she hasn't told anybody anything yet. Um, kind of ignoring everybody, ignored Kevin earlier on, but everybody's happy to see her, especially Kevin. And Kevin mentions before he gets back into the story that uh, you all stayed alive long enough to listen to him complete the story. Uh, so he's, he's happy about that. He's happy about, you know, kind of turning over a new leaf, breaking it off with his girlfriend, kind of in many ways accepting this new chapter in his life uh, and in some ways letting go of his need to hold on to these things hold on to past relationships hold on to these this story in order for him to feel like he's not going to be forgotten and and for the story to not just turn into a memory as he will later just turn into a memory but they are there for the conclusion so dusty calls sheila over she says she'll be there in 20 minutes uh, he has some important news about Nancy. She Sheila shows up, kind of lets herself in. Dusty doesn't let her in, so she kind of lets herself in. As she's walking through the hallway, she's looking at all the old pictures, and she comes across one old picture where she notices the hourglass symbol on somebody's jewelry, and just then Dusty flips the lights on, scaring her and she's like did you see this symbol the symbols on this thing he's like yeah that's actually i saw that and that's one of the reasons why i called you over and uh he goes in to shows her his computer he's like look at what i found his computer is open on with the uh einstein chat open and she goes to look at it and she's like oh my god you found this chat who is this led zeppelin guy so he's clearly he's he's Pretending to be a student. Oh, my God. Um, So she's like mesmerized at that. And he's like, my grandfather is the killer. And she's like, what? What are you talking about? And he picks up the hammer as she's focused on the computer screen. And he says, oh, my mom is the killer, too. And she's like, you know, confused. And he says, and me. And just then he swings the hammer to go bash Sheila in the head but stops right before it hits her head and is frozen, doesn't want to do it says I won't do it You know, clearly fighting the urge and then you see his mom crawling on the ceiling crawling into the bedroom she flies down, jumps down and is trying to force him to do it meanwhile Sheila tears the hammer away and she ends up hitting the mom in the head. So she mom falls down, bleeding on the carpet. And just then, Sheila sees all of the victims, all the silent screamers. She sees Nancy. She tells Nancy that she was trying to help her, right? Feeling s- sad, sorry, for not being able to help her. Uh, and you see all of these, these victims slowly float up into this light, float up into the air. Uh, and... Uh, you see you he he talks about this possession it's been passed down through his family and then all of a sudden the smoke comes billowing out of the mom's dead dying body on the carpet and flies into dusty's face into his mouth hole and he is now possessed and this new possession, this spirit, this evil spirit of his grandfather or whatever it is that's been passed down through his family is is enjoying the, the feeling of being in a young body and like doing the stretching, back cracking, all kinds of, you know, just kind of uh, appreciating the, the young body that this possessed demon is now in so young so strong it says and uh dusty is gone right he's been possessed by the thing same thing that possessed his mom uh and as he's going to picks up the hammer and as he's going to again hit sheila instead dusty takes control for just a brief moment and ends up slamming the claw end of the hammer into his chest And Sheila rips the hammer away and then knocks him out. And cut to, he's now locked in a padded room, talking about how Sheila clearly cared for him because he could tell that at the last moment when she was swinging to bash him in the head that she she pulled her punch a little bit. She didn't hit him as hard as she should have, and that's why he's still alive. And that the the cops are confused when they found all the bodies that are buried where he was burying the bodies. That bodies have been there for like centuries. So many bodies, clearly not just him. Uh, he is found not responsible due to insanity. So he's just kind of going to be institutionalized uh, and not killed, but he will be alone. And that's kind of how it ends. It ends with him asking for his music he's like doing this twitchy thing and he's asking whoever is watching him to turn music on and they do and he's like could you please turn it up and that's how we leave dusty locked in a padded room alone and uh that's the end take a little break from the show to promote the benefits of Inspired Disorder Plus. So you go inspireddisorder.com slash plus. Sign up, $5 a month. You get to binge the full week of the Ray Taylor Show ad-free. You get to watch all of the live painting videos I do. You get a special members-only discount and deals for all of the artwork and merch that I sell. You also get the complete podcast back catalog of every podcast I've ever produced. Hundreds of episodes countless different podcasts. You also get access to my personal blog. A new blog comes out every week. In addition to that, you get my creative writing that I'm releasing. You also get access to asking me anything. 14 years of experience podcasting. I've been creating art my entire life. I've been using Photoshop since middle school. And you can contact me to ask me questions about that or anything else. So those are the benefits for signing up for Inspired Disorder Plus. And now let's get back to the show. So after the story, Kevin tells everybody, all the, the members of the Midnight Club, that you are now allowed to die. I have finished the story, so you, there is no reason for you to continue living. You are allowed to die. Shame on Anya. He didn't say that, but shame on Anya for not, not surviving to the end of the story. Uh, Alonka mentions that she didn't like the end, but... She as well, is going to be finishing her story, which, as we left off with her story, uh, she broke the rules and was scrying at night, trying to be- or she trying to fix a situation. Her friend Scotty had been shot, which was intended for Ben, this new guy that she, she, she found in an, in an attempt to save his life. Uh, The events ended up uh, being laid on her friend, Scotty, who is struggling to survive in the hospital while she's been where. um, What's her name? Uh, Aya? Anaya? Wow. Where did I write it down? Her name is Cash. Of course, it's not going to say it there either way whatever her character's name is in this story um and then again she on their date they're going in to get gas and when she goes in to pay for the gas the clerk is all scared and she turns around and again a guy with the gun and as he's about to shoot her she picks up the credit card machine hits the gun and uh just at that moment ben walks in and in an attempt to save Ben's life again, she jumps in front of him. But the gunman ends up shooting Ben in, like, the neck jugular area. So even though she tried to stop it, it it's, it didn't matter. History was snapping back, as her mom said. You can't change history. You just move it a little. And, and the more you move it, the the more it's going to move back and snap back like a rubber band. So you can't change the past just just as you can't change the past the f- the future is fixed as well and you can't change it things end up uh getting back on track back to what their original intentions were uh and she has this desire now to fix to bring Scotty back she wants to bring Scotty back uh and she sees her mom she's like in this walking through this forest with these like glowing lights floating around her almost like glowing dust as she's walking with her mom and she's asking her mom where they are and her mom says home and she's telling her uh that we should I should bring you back you shouldn't be coming clearly like in this moment where she's trying to save Scotty it is she is giving her life she's sacrificing her own life and is now in this kind of purgatory this halfway between where she is seeing her mom who has died and her mom she's asking her mom for help Uh, they end up going back to that lake she brings her back to that lake and she's asking her mom for help and she's like listen if you do this You will. You aren't going to survive it. Right. So you have to know what you're doing and that you shouldn't do that. Right. You shouldn't like these are you can't change. You can't change things. And, uh, you know, you're going to die. Ask her mom for help. She's like, you got to do it on your own or whatever. And so in order to get back to the hospital, she has to dive in through the lake So she does and she ends up back in the hospital room where Scotty is on life support. And she's kind of it's like an out of body situation where she's sitting in one of the chairs and she can see herself kind of laying on Scotty's body as she was trying to bring her back. And Scotty is now sitting next to her and they both have these like umbilical cords coming out of their arms that are like glowing and attached to their bodies that they're looking at in the hospital bed. And she has this conversation with Scotty, who is Anya, right? So we're seeing Ruth Cod one more time in this season. And she's telling her how, like, yes, I've noticed my glowing um, cord thing is starting to fade, right? It's, it's approaching the end. And her character, um, Alonka's character, uh, Imani, is like, I'm here, I'm going to save you. This is what I want to do right and they're talking to each other um and she does she ends up handing over her glowing cord to Scotty and Amani passes away basically falls just as Scotty wakes up and she's like kind of remembering the discussion she just had this out of body discussion that that memory is starting to fade and she sees Imani laying on her, s- seemingly sleeping, with a smile on her face, and uh, knowing that she kind of sacrificed herself in some ways for her. Um, and she, you know, they say, you know, she goes on with the story that there was a mass, the large funeral for Imani. You know, everybody showed up. It was this giant funeral, but her friends wanted to do something different. They wanted to do something special. So her friends went to the lake where her mom taught her how to scry and they do a little memorial where they write, you know, Imani plus Ben. And then they kind of argue over whether there should be a heart around it or not because and you know part of the argument against it is like well they didn't know each other for that long but it's like yeah but it's still love and all this stuff so they do the little memorial this small little memorial lakeside memorial and uh alonka can't really finish right she's she's too emotional and actually that that's hold on so she gives her the umbilical cord and then Alonka gets emotional. She can't finish. So, for the first time, Sheree steps in to help Alonka finish the story. I forgot that very important part that my fa- my second favorite character, after Anya, Sheree, stepping in, and for the first time, at least... Participating. She's starting to participate finally in the final episode of this show. Uh, starting to participate. She went to the family day finally. She's finally participating and giving a little bit in story time. And she's like, Yes, everybody went to. There was this ma- major funeral, but everybody went to this memorial thing. And then Amish jumps in to help. And he's like, No, no, they didn't do just a little. The little like Ben and and uh, Imani in Rocks, uh, they did a bigger memorial, and all of her friends showed up, even friends that supposedly died, and they're all giving these the same things that they sacrificed in the ritual for Anya. They give these little memorial items to be placed at the memorial, uh, and even Natsuki jumps in, and. Uh, Says that all of her friends then see a vision of Imani in the lake, and they see her in again these this forest of floating glowing lights. Right. So in this final story of the final episode of the Midnight Club, we see Cherie helping out to finish. We see almost all of the members kind of participating in helping to end this story for a trying to help a out who's uh unable to do it herself so uh she sees her in the uh in in the they, they all see her in the uh the vision in the lake uh and and cuts to amani and her mom walking along with ben all hand in hand and as they're walking through the forest there's all these other people that they've never seen before but You know, she's she's found her new home in this afterlife. Uh, She's not alone. So that is the end of her story. Cut to now. uh, So after the story, they're all still sitting around the table in the library and Alonka kind of avoiding talking about what happened with her and the ritual and Julia Jane, which they don't know about still. Uh, she instead brings up the fact that Rhett showed up and that the statue was no longer broken and kind of implying that that's and the way people respond to that is like, Ooh, maybe that is a sign. Like, finally, we got a sign. This is like something that they feel is legitimate sign that a lo- that Anya somehow fixed the statue from the afterlife. And there you kind of see these look of excitement on their faces uh, as as they're realizing this. And now after the club, Kevin mentions that he's going to take the scenic route the long way back up and uh, Alonka is going to join him. Uh, And uh, Alonka again says that she didn't like how the end uh, how his story with Dusty ended where he's alone. She didn't like that. Um, and, and Kevin's like, well, he, you know, doesn't want to hurt any other people. Right. Right. That's kind of the, and similarly to his character, to Kevin himself, after distancing himself and breaking up with his girlfriend, not wanting to hurt her, uh, and also his reluctance to, get close with Alonka not wanting to hurt her because he feels like, as we saw in his story, that the ones he cares about end up getting hurt. Whether he likes to out of his control, right? He's not the one deciding to die. Uh, But regardless, uh, you know, they have this talk. He tells her that he broke up with his girlfriend and that he did it because he has feelings for somebody else. Obviously, and, uh, implying that it's Alonka, and uh, telling her that uh, she represents hope, right? Even though she was wrong and it didn't work, she still has that, which is true, which is one of the positive aspects of Alonka, that she is determined to find alternate routes to them getting healed, even though that she may be a little bit too... You know, a little bit too uh, faith-based in her assumptions that this ritual is going to work. But, you know, he's still positive about it and and telling her that she represents hope. And uh, dying is a shitty reason not to live. Right. And then they kiss. Finally, they kiss. Uh, And then cut to we see Stanton locking up the the library obviously locking up everything after club is done and the kids have gone back to bed uh, as she goes back to her office the camera goes and pauses on a news article that's hanging up on the wall framed on the wall and we see the old man and the old lady that both Kevin and Alonka have had visions of and apparently were the original owners the people that built this build this mansion Brightcliff, uh so we see kind of their origin and clearly they're haunting this place for some reason and are a part of this place for some reason so it kind of answers the question of who those people are that they've been having visions of uh and we see stanton going into her room taking off a wig so apparently she's bald as well maybe who knows what that's about more questions We also see as she takes the the wig off, you see the camera pan to view the base of her neck where she as well has an hourglass tattoo. And that is how not only this episode ends, this not only how this season ends, but that is how the entire series ends because the bad news For the Midnight Club that I've avoided talking about on this show until right now is that the Midnight Club has been canceled by Netflix. I'm bummed out because I was really excited for season two. I was really excited. This is a show that is setting up a lot of things and doing a lot of stuff that is going to pay off in the long run is going to pay off after multiple seasons. As we get new kids, fresh faces, more stories, we're also going to get more clearly of the history of, we would have hopefully gotten more of the history of Brightcliff Manor. But now we won't get any of that. Which is a bummer. It's a big bummer. I was really hoping for more of this show. I did enjoy it. Despite the fact that I, fought, I thought the Lanka character and her confirmation bias and her constant assumptions and belief in this ritual being the end-all, be-all, the only way to cure, that, that it is the, the path to being cured, uh, is a bit frustrating. It's something that it, it's, like a, it's painful to see a character that you like go down a path that is clearly not correct at least so far as they maybe there is a version of the the ritual that further down the road becomes legitimate maybe the old people involved in the house are the purpose to unlocking it my guess would be that Dr Stanton if i had to guess that she is Athena it would kind of make sense if she is around the same age or a little bit older than the Shasta character, uh, and would have the Paragon tattoo. Is a character that we know is against what a say so her mom did, right? Was the one who saved the kids, right? As she is, tr- as Doctor Stanton is doing still. Saving the kids, taking care of the kids. But we'll never know. Uh, maybe it's in the book. That is one thing that after hearing the news that the Midnight Club has been canceled. Uh, obviously, not only are the is the show based on a Christopher Pike book or series of books. Uh, but all of the stories that the kids told were based on his books as well. So if anything, this show has inspired me to read some Christopher Pike books and maybe get some answers that way, uh, because it is a little unsatisfying and a bummer, like clearly a show that I think would have had a better season two, right? There was a lot of setup in this, not a lot of satisfying answers necessarily. And I think it's just because it's trying to do so much. Because every episode also had another story within it that was a brilliant way to kind of tell the audience, inform the audience about each of these characters, and to give them their backstory instead of doing so in a flashback, which a lot of shows do, to then do it through the story they tell. Ingenious. And to have each story based on a book that's by the same author that wrote The Midnight Club. It's like, it's it's like on paper, a brilliant show. Execution, a little bit slow, the whole Paragon thing, the whole Shasta thing, the whole ritual thing, maybe didn't hook people as much, maybe kind of turned people off, especially considering what we've seen in reality. But it is a bummer. The Midnight Club canceled, but I'm glad that I got to recap each episode which provides me with a new perspective on the work itself putting a magnifying glass to every episode really paying attention and following every small nuance of the characters really made me fall in love with Cherie, the character i like i'm glad that she had this these moments in this episode to finally lie in my opinion the one lie i've ever heard her tell and then also to see her participate, not only in Family Day, but also within the stories. I love that as well. So it was kind of a nice sen- like, oh, nice uh, moment for that character, such a lovable character, to, to s- finally become uh, a member of this family in a lot of ways. But uh, that's it. That's it. Uh, you can always check out, I've done this type of a show for other tv shows uh severance i've done season one of severance i've done ted lasso season one and two i've done dave season one and two uh did midnight mass the the mini series that was created by mike flanagan who also did this series which is kind of what inspired me to do this series and i have ideas for what i will be doing next potentially might be doing the rehearsal which is an hbo show i might also do reservation dogs i might also do i don't know i have some options so uh make sure you check that out and uh follow me follow the ray taylor show subscribe to all my other podcasts or uh however you do it and thank you all for those who have watched and followed along with this Episode by episode recap. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm really excited to also see what Ruth Cod does next as this being her first acting work. Uh, she was amazing uh, to be somebody who was discovered from TikTok. And uh, I think knocked that character out of the park, being one of my favorite characters by far. Uh, excited to see what she does next. And hopefully she does more work with Mike Flanagan as well. That would be awesome, too. And interested to see what Mike Flanagan does next. Uh, his movies are amazing. I would highly recommend checking out his movies if you've already gone through his TV shows. Uh, but either way, I hope everybody's doing great. And I hope everybody continues to live a little bit longer. Even though this show is no longer to be continued. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus.